Geek News Reviews, Commentary, not just another podcast, on The Ordinary People Broadcast. Oh, see the deer. Has the deer a little dough? Why, certainly. Two bucks. Oh. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Bald Broadcast, episode 48, all the geeky news you can use. Coming at you from the West Coast, this is Kyle A. Barrett. I'm an anime and video game voice actor. And your co-host on the East Coast, Other World Steve. And I'm here. Well, that's good, because if you weren't there, I guess we'd have half a show, and then I'd just be totally unmotivated to do it, but since you gather all the news, and I just scroll through Twitter and Facebook going, that's interesting, that's cool. It would all be very positive. It'd be like, yes, I like this, yes, I agree. I do not have a dissenting uh, argument for that. If you're hearing this this podcast now, you have survived Black Friday, but uh, as of the recording of this podcast... It is the day before Thanksgiving. For several years, I have avoided malls. I have avoided the Black Friday thing. I do take advantage of some deals online, though. Amazon always has some nice things. And, uh, you know, there's Cyber Monday and whatnot. But uh, there's also some good deals a little ahead of time. It seems like everyone's trying to outdo everybody else, even though there's people sitting out there in the, in the, in the cold with tents and shit. I'm tempted to just rent a bear costume and go just taunt people in tents. I would raise the money for you to do that because that would be brilliant. Before we started hitting record on this show that uh, you had you had some thoughts on Black Friday. I do, because in this day and age, I don't get why this is still a thing. <laughs> I really don't. I, d- I don't get that really fucked up, twisted consumerist mindset where you have to be first in line and fight with people over commerce. And I found doing things online it's so much fucking simpler. You may hate Amazon and, and, and call them a giant evil corporate empire or whatever, but I'm a Prime member. That It's free shipping. Shit comes right to my fucking door. I don't have to fight with anybody. I don't have to deal with the cold. I don't have to deal with being up early. And I'm getting ridiculously comparable deals. In some cases, depending on, uh, like you said, some other uh, online retailers, you can get even better deals. So, again, I don't know why this is a thing it shouldn't be a thing anymore i would think that stores just want media coverage they want to see the name of their business featured on the nightly news and they're going to take that gamble whether someone gets trampled to death or if it's just oh it's insane and everyone walked away with that uh you know brand new 4k tv for 50 bucks or whatever the fuck it is and it's like i don't understand why they wouldn't put everything they have in store also available online and stop this whole available in store only crap you know, just let, I mean, if people want to make the profit from the sales, isn't that all it really amounts to is, you know, the dollar spends the same way everywhere it goes. Who cares if, you know, you're going to put it for sale and, uh, and watch like riot level insanity happen versus, you know, someone in a warehouse quietly packing it up, <laughs> shipping it out and like no fuss, no muss. I, I've heard this year after year after year. It seems some of the, the big ticket items are ridiculously short-stocked. I don't know if that's a ploy just to get you in the store and they go, oh, sorry, we're out of that you know, 90 million inch 6K TV, but we have all these other wonderful items for you at, at deep discounts. I mean, I'm a whore for Best Buy. I freely admit it. I go into that store once a week at least, sometimes more. They don't need to get me in the store. <laughs> they already sell tons of shit that I want or that I, you know, I'm interested in. They don't need to hook me with with something ridiculously low stocked. I mean, Apple does the same thing where, you know, it's like, all right, you want to buy the new Apple Watch or the Apple phone, you know, then free shipping. 
you know, bypass the, the lines. And now theaters, of course, with Star Wars, I wanted to only see it in a, in a screen that I could get tickets with reserve seats. I don't want to stand in line. I don't want to deal with all the, you know, you know, well, in L.A., I guess the cold weather is <laughs> negligible. But I mean, you people up north. You're going to fight the, the frigid cold, and there are people out there that will do that and stand in line for days to, to see something like the next Star Wars movie or stand in line and, and stand in tents and freeze to fucking death uh, because they want to get their chance at maybe getting one of the three giant screen TVs that may be in stock. At the time of this recording right now, it is 28 degrees Fahrenheit where I live. And yeah, that's not an incentive for me to camp out fucking overnight where it's going to get a lot colder than that as the night progresses. But I also have a problem too with stores like being open on Thanksgiving now. You know, they're they're trying to be the first to to take in this this corporate glot. So oh, we're open on Thanksgiving. Uh, I think nowadays we spend so much time on social media and glued to our phones and other smart devices that I think it's kind of good to be forced. For one day to have to sit around a table with your family, regardless of how you personally feel about them. Um, but it's good to have that human interaction. And I think we should encourage that more. And I applaud some retailers, and unfortunately I don't remember which ones uh, by name at this moment, that refuse to be open on Thanksgiving or have any Black Friday specials. I actually saw somewhat of an opposing viewpoint from someone who works retail. And they said, I know the big hubbub is, you know, stores shouldn't be open on holidays. But what about the person that's making minimum wage and they depend on holiday OT and they want those hours? I mean, I guess that's a, probably a minority <laughs> since most people would want to be home, I would think. That's kind of like a drug dealer saying, you know, I like dealing drugs and I make a lot of money dealing drugs and I don't have to have a nine to five like everybody else. I get it, <laughs> but I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah, I think you should be forced to have to deal with your family on holidays. It's not even a religious thing. It's just we're really losing touch with being humans you know the robots have already won the, the minute you get a smartphone uprising started you're powerless against it if you get people to think of it as a reality game now who can put their phone away the longest i know that that that's some of the deals i mean my fiance works that deal with me it's like hey let's keep our phones in our pockets for dinner and actually talk to one another yeah it sometimes gets a little tempting to like okay there's a lull in the conversation i want to pull and refresh twitter no 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 don't do it don't do it don't do it a table full of people with their face in their phones that is the zombie apocalypse. Everyone walking into traffic as they, as they look at their tablets and their phones. And I, I struggle, as anybody else does, with this uh, modern-day addiction. We, we do. We need to bring the humanity back. What I was saying earlier is it's not about any religious connotations with the holidays. I don't really care what God or, or being you uh, you pray to. It's just about being human first before anything else. Yeah, being thankful, that's a, that's a good thing. Whether you're religious or not, it's just to, to take, a, take a moment and just be grateful for what you have. It, you know, you've got the relatives around you, you the friends and family. And, and if you have a, a single life or whatever, maybe you can be invited over and enjoy the celebration with someone else. Or if you're on the streets, you can find a shelter and find you know, plenty of resources out there that are willing to feed you because there's there's... There's lots of that stuff to go around and just look back and say, all right, with all the shit that goes on year round, maybe we can get, you know, one or two days out of the year where people just take their, their stupid ass political differences that they unfriend each other in social media over and just shut the fuck up. Fucking get along, man. And if you hate your family that much, 
I'm sure there's a shelter or a soup kitchen uh, near your house or your place of employment that would love to have you volunteer your services for the day. So there's also that. I think that that kind of relates to a meme or something. It's like if you can't uh, if you can't find someone doing something nice for someone else, how about just do it yourself? And then you'll just feel awesome. I'm going to tell a little uh, tearjerker story here. I'll, I'll keep it really brief and relevant to the facts. A dear friend of mine, his... Uh, daughter's home burned down last night burned to the ground leaving her 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 future husband and her two small children aged uh, three and seven homeless and literally only wearing the clothes that they went to bed in everything else was lost in the fire including their cell phones and, and everything when i picked my kids up from daycare yesterday and we were driving home i said to both of them you know your mom and dad talk a lot about there are kids out there that have nothing and, you know, I said, you know, these two boys, you know, them my name, you've played with them and they have nothing. And I explained to them why uh, my kids are really stubborn and really selfish. And I, I don't feel like an asshole saying that I, my kids are really selfish. But when we came home, my oldest, he's eight. He went into the toy room and he picked up five or six of his toys and he put them in a cardboard box and he walked over to the front door and he put the box in front of the front door and he turned to me and he said, daddy, th- those are for those boys that have nothing. It, it got me a little choked up. <laughs> I gotta admit it was very touching, but it, you know, if, if an eight year old can part with his toys because he saw that there was a greater need then I would hope that, you know, people as adults would, you know, be able to tap into that and uh, realize that there are people in real need and, and they could use a hand. So give them a little bit of your time. It's just not really going to hurt you. Totally. All right. Let's see what's going on in our uh, geeky universe this week. There's a bunch of stuff going on, but I certainly want to start with this one here, uh, with YouTube putting its money where its mouth is on fair use. Now, what this essentially boils down to is that YouTube announced that it's going to cover the legal cost of copyright lawsuits facing a few videos that they believe are strong examples of fair use. And yeah, the situation certainly coincides with some good PR work, but um, with the way DMCA is going, it's kind of good, I think, for a content provider to say, okay, I, I think you're overstepping there with, with your legal uh, your, your takedown notices or whatever. Um, so it's just kind of interesting. And, and again, YouTube, oh my Google, who everybody accuses of being the devil, uh, again, I thought it was very interesting that they're starting to seriously analyze uh, which content is being requested to be taken down. And if they feel it falls within fair use, they'll foot your legal fees to fight that. That's kind of unprecedented. I, re- I really never thought it would come that way. I just figured in this lawsuit-heavy environment, your shit's just going to get taken down regardless. That's Kind of an eye-opening, like, wow, that's interesting. Well, Google, I don't know if you recall, um, you know, they've been to court quite a few times with people saying what they're doing in some cases uh, violates copyright. The two that come to mind with me is um, I know some lawsuits were brought against Google years ago about just the fact that they had images available in thumbnail view when you do an image search, that that alone could violate copyright if somebody didn't want that publicly accessible. But more recently, I know their their Project Gutenberg, where they're out to scan virtually every book that exists and, and have them available for academics. Some publishers and authors took issue with that 
And they were actually recently, it was ruled in their favor that what they were doing was legal. You really got to read up all about it. It's a very, very, very long story that would take up the rest of the podcast. But it was interesting. And I wonder if it had something to do with them winning that last legal hurdle to say, yeah, you know, maybe we should play a little bit more fair. Because if we're fighting the system for what we call legal, then we should probably get our, our users' backs as well. wonder at what point we're going to see all the let's plays and all that. You've had that controversy in the past few years. I don't know if there's going to be any backlash in, in that department with the, with the copyright stuff. I'm surprised that it, it even happened in the first place. I'm surprised that we have consoles with the Twitch uh, TV uh, apps built in so everyone could just broadcast their own stuff of copyrighted material, but then it becomes what? Essentially <laughs> a fan dub, right? Because you're you're talking over the audio of a game with your headset mic, or sometimes not at all, and, and, and streaming that content to the world. What happened there, and that was really interesting because we've talked about it before with anime and uh, with feature films, the issue there wasn't so much the streaming of the video game. It was that the music is under different license. So there were some composers, some some musicians who said, we never gave up that right when we put the music in the game, and YouTube was pulling them down on those grounds. So there is a filter on your PlayStation, there's a filter when you go into your settings and there's a checkbox and you can check that box that won't allow the music through the Twitch feed. So if you have that ticked, you won't have any problems with your videos being pulled for copyright violation. So then what? You could monetize and not have any um, harassments, I guess? Yeah, pretty much. It's really funny. I, I've only watched a few, but um, Team Four Star does some fucking hilarious uh, Let's Plays. It was with the more recent Dragon Ball Z game where you could see very audible examples of certain things getting cut in and cut out. And it was really awkward. It was almost like it was filtering in real time what could be streamed and what couldn't be streamed. At BB Broadcast, you have your thoughts and opinions about this whole article about fair use and YouTube and everything and the interesting development. We certainly want to hear from you. And if you think 140 characters isn't enough, you can always email us thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com or bigballbroadcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. So the night before we started this podcast, uh, Marvel dropped the Civil War trailer to Captain America 3. Fanboys and fangirls need to change their underwear because uh, it's uh, it's pretty awesome to see something just kind of out of nowhere for a film that's not even out till May of 2016. I was a little surprised that they finished some effect shots for the trailer. Generally, when you get such an early tease, you don't get to see any effect shots because that's the last thing to be done. But you get to see some good effect shit. I'm, I don't want to say excited per se, I'm interested in what's going on with Bucky. I'm kind of interested to know uh, how that whole arc's going to play out. If they're going to go the Civil War route, kill Captain America, and have Bucky take over as Captain America. I like the trailer. I was a little excited about it. Get to see some neat things. Get to see Scarlet Witch fly for the first time. I thought that was pretty neat. But I don't feel as excited about it as I did for Age of Ultron. And I don't know if that's because I don't want to get my expectations too high or if it really wasn't that impressive yeah that's that's a tough balance i actually didn't watch it till late at night and i was already really really exhausted and about to go to sleep so it's like i guess i was underwhelmed more because of that but i watched it again today and i thought all right there's a lot of really really good stuff happening in there 
And yeah, some of the shots look like they're probably not final. So there's like one shot of Cap busting through the glass and it kind of just looks like candy glass. It looks like that's something that could be beefed up a lot <laughs> more impressively. I saw some commentary saying that, you know, the, the shot with, with Iron Man, Bucky and Cap all fighting kind of looks like a Three Stooges routine. But all this stuff isn't finalized yet. I'm sure they could have just attached this to Force Awakens. I'm sure we're going to see something awesome when Star Wars comes out. If we're going to get blown away by a trailer and then your hype levels this through the roof, then it doesn't matter how good the movie is. It'll never meet your expectations. And that's that's where we all got burned on the Star Wars prequels many years ago. And we'll probably get burned again because we're so fucking excited for this stuff. But I got to say, while it did kind of look a little goofy and i agree with the sentiment in the chat as well that was really badass to see cap and bucky double teaming iron man i mean we've had this setup for so long about these guys all being the good guys and to see them in earnest really trying to fuck each other up potentially you know kill each other it's like hot damn Things are going to get sticky. It's always the rule of Hollywood adaptations of comic source material that you're going to change something. Is it going to be something as major as what you alluded to with, with, with the whole Bucky situation? Or are they going to go in a different way? I mean, yeah, there's rumors of Chris Evans saying, you know, I want to leave Captain America behind and go do other shit, which I totally respect. After so long, you know, you got Daniel Craig wanting to walk away from Bond. You got, people said they kind of get it out of their system, right? And they want to move on and be known for others, other stuff. Some with more degrees of success than others. So it, it definitely plants some different interesting rumor mill seeds, for sure. Of recent years, Captain America Winter Soldier still is one of my favorite Marvel movies of all time so far. And uh, this one looks like to continue it. Again, the Russo brothers, you know, who directed that, are back for this. And I think they're doing uh, the Avengers as well, right? The Infinity War? I believe they are. I need to say, I, I think what confused me the most about the trailer, which is kind of showing you the, the arc in, in the lead up into Infinity War, it seems they, they're pinning everything on Captain America. You're a rogue superhero who doesn't answer to anybody. But it seems to me Captain America is probably the most legitimate of the whole Avengers. He was created by the fucking government, you know? He's been working for S.H.I.E.L.D. ever since they, they took him out of the ice. So he's the one that probably has the highest degree of accountability, but it seems everything goes to shit because they're pinning it all on him. I mean, I guess they could have picked darker storylines, like, you know, Tony's stealing, uh, dealing with uh, alcoholism and everything. that. But then again, there's Netflix. They can deal with the darker shit. Like, I just started watching uh, Jessica Jones, and I was kind of blown away by how much hard R-rated sex scenes there are in that. And it's like, this is Marvel? What they're doing with the gritty Netflix stuff is very different from the cinematic universe. I need to get me a Netflix subscription if I'm missing out on all this pornography. That's not porn, but I mean, I guess for Marvel it kind of is. I want to know what our listeners think of Jessica Jones because I haven't watched it, but I've been hearing a lot of conflicting reviews. Uh, one of my, my colleagues today said it was really, really slow compared to Daredevil. Come on, pick up the pace. What the fuck's going on here? So I don't know. I, I want your reviews. Having watched, I think, three episodes so far, I don't think it's slow. I'm cool with character characterization and everything. And I think uh, they got a really solid cast and everything. It's a different feel than Daredevil. I almost think it's kind of an unfair comparison. And, and kudos for Netflix and, and Marvel for, for developing shows that aren't just more of the same. I mean, you could argue that The Punisher is, is going to be dark and gritty just like Daredevil and should be because the Punisher is going to show up in Daredevil season two. And ultimately the defenders with, you know, Jessica Jones and 
Cap and not Cap, sorry, Daredevil and uh, Punisher, I guess, and Luke Cage. I think it works. You got some dark, more adult material, abuse and rape and, uh, you know, mind control. David Tennant, you know, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you know, he's he's doing a, a remarkable job and he, he's truly creepy. I think it's a worthwhile watch. I mean, is it slower paced? Yeah, action is not the focus of this. It's definitely more character oriented. And knowing that it was, you know, based on Brian Michael Bendis, 2001 comic her detective agency is called alias and i thought oh someone's an alias fan it's like no there's no connection to that whatsoever i mean i think the first book was was her detective agency on on, and a new marvel more adult themed kind of like vertigo with dc more adult themed comic book that kind of pushes the edge with more more adult material and everything like that so they are staying true to the material in that respect I think it warrants a view. I mean, I don't know how your attention span is on that, Steve. If you're, you're saying you got to have more action than, than character moments, or um, what do you think? As long as it's good. You know, if it's a good story, and, and if it can keep me engaged in the story, then it's all good. I mean, it doesn't have to be constant shit blowing up, Michael Bay cuts. I, I'm a huge fan of documentaries, and let's admit it. Documentaries aren't the most action-packed or, or best-paced format that there is for film. As long as it's something that I, I can feel engrossed in i can enjoy it i do want to say regardless of how each and every one of these shows pan out i still dig how marvel and disney are are bringing this over to netflix kind of the small screen version of the avengers and you know as they explained it from day one the avengers as we've seen they're dealing with threats from space they're dealing with shit like on a cosmic level where the defenders where this is going to culminate they deal with the more street level crime somebody still has to be there to you know clean up the streets a la batman so I do dig that. I dig that premise. I dig that they have that going on. It's still one joint universe and in two different ways of ingesting that. And I, I support their decision in doing that. And, you know, they weren't planning on Punisher taking off. And now Punisher very well might be their next show. And then they still have other things coming. Uh, unfortunately, that whole Moon Knight thing was just a rumor and might not happen. But I think it's going to be strong regardless. Looking at our chat, let's see. Jez Olfield says, by episode four on Jessica Jones, I was in. Robert J says, Jessica Jones is so good. Kilgrave is amazing. You know, Mashable, a lot of the tech sites were, were really, really keeping praise on there. Not all of it is, is universally glowing. Yeah, some of it, it talks about pacing issues and a little talky. But I think you, 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 run in, you run the risk of that with any TV show, episodic television. You're going to have to draw shit out. It becomes a little bit soap opera-ish. So that's usually the problem with CW shows. But, I mean, if you put your mindset in there and just kind of accept it for what it is, none of these shows can be lumped in, 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 in considered to be all the same vein. Just like Flash is not Arrow. Daredevil's not Jessica Jones. Uh, even S.H.I.E.L.D. is so so dramatically different from that, even though it's all the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and from what I understand, Gotham is not Arrow or Flash. <laughs> and Constantine wasn't any of the DC shows either. But damn it, bring it back. Okay, that's a, just a separate topic altogether. Never mind. We could keep talking about Netflix and things coming back, if you like. Oh, sure. Growing up, were, were you a fan of... 1965 lost in space now i know you weren't around at 65 but i mean this thing was in syndication for a long time did you watch it did you dig it yeah growing up in the 70s syndicated tv some of the first things that i was a huge fan of was the adam west batman series and yeah lost in space absolutely i first saw the colored series and not the original pilot which was like black and white i fell in love with that show 
I haven't seen it in decades. I, I saw that abysmally bad movie. Gary Oldman as Dr. Smith and everything and Matt LeBlanc and, and all this shit in the late 90s and with William Hurt and all that. You know, it, you had a somewhat decent cast, but and some decent effects. But boy, what a, what a misfire. That was. I, I watched that not too uh, long ago and it doesn't hold up. Not that it was any good at that time. It's funny because everybody's been trying to fuck with this show. Even after the movie, you had John Woo, who... who created a revised show uh, for the WB, but it was never picked up. And prior to that, um, in 1990, you had Kevin Burns of Synthesis Entertainment trying to bring that back as a television show. Well, now it seems against probably everybody's best wishes. It's coming back. It's coming to Netflix, and it's reportedly being directed by Neil Marshall, who worked on television shows such as Hannibal, Constantine, and Game of Thrones. So now hearing the credentials, do you think this thing has a chance? It might. I question if they go for it in tone, are they going to go for the the darker, more serious shit like the movie was trying to do? Or if they want the lighthearted, campy vibe of the 60s. And yeah, Neil Marshall, I like his stuff. He did a a great horror movie a few years ago called The Descent. And then he did this this really over-the-top B-movie called Doomsday. And then he went to TV on on those claimed shows. It has a chance, but sci-fi obviously affects heavy. Netflix is going to have to put up some major bucks for something like this. Get back to practical effects and prosthetics as opposed to over-the-top, cutting-edge CG that uh, seems to be almost a bad word nowadays. If I had to guess, I'd assume that they would go in that dark, serious direction. But I have to inadvertently thank you for actually turning me on to something that was kind of lighthearted and campy. I saw a, a animated GIF. And I say GIF. I'm not going to say GIF, so fuck you, GIFs. Um, That's right. Fuck you. GIF is peanut butter. But I saw an animated GIF on, on, uh, on your Facebook page of Batman grabbing Batgirl's tit. And I knew that didn't come from the 66 um, <laughs> Batman series. So I was very curious about where that came from. And it led me uh, through my Google search to Return to the Batcave, uh, The Misadventures of Adam and Burt. And it stars Adam West and Burt Ward, who were the two stars in, in the Batman series. And uh, it, it's kind of, a, a, I don't want to say a mockumentary, but it's a very lighthearted approach to telling the story about how the series came to be how they got cast in their respective roles um, right up through the show's cancellation. And a lot of that stuff I didn't know. I enjoyed that very much, uh, coming from the mouths again from the two main actors and, and telling this really fucked up, in some cases, story about what went on behind the scenes of Batman. So thanks, Kyle, for boob-grabbing Batgirl there. Boob-grabbing Batgirl. Here I was thinking that maybe, okay, it wasn't the show, but maybe the porn parody from a few years ago where they recreated very faithfully the sets and the costumes, but it's a porn. And, like, that's the, that, that's that been the trend, I guess. And it, it gets publicity because it's geek-centric. There's been X-Men porn and Brady Bunch and, you know, all this stuff. And they get away with it because they, it's a parody. So they can actually call it X-Men parody or Batman the XXX parody and all that stuff. And I thought, okay, maybe it's from that. But thank you for digging deeper and finding all that fun, fun little factoids out. The whole setup was when they brought her on board on the show, she kind of tells Adam West, she's like, I've heard about you and the way you treat women. And, you know, so don't try any of that shit with me. So her first time on set filming, he decided to kind of put her in her place, so to speak. So that shot is them? No. What it is is um, when they're telling the story in flashback, there's two younger actors playing um, 
Adam West and Burt Ward. He's telling the, the real Adam West and the real Burt Ward to tell the story like this is what happened. This is what we actually did on set. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, when I first saw that, it's like, I don't remember this moment on the show. <laughs> that wouldn't have made ABC broadcast back in the 60s. But yeah, it's on YouTube for free. So if you grew up with the 66 Batman and you dug it, Return to the Batcave, The Misadventures of Adam and Burt. It's only an hour and a half long, 90 minutes. So you'll enjoy it. If you don't, I'll, I'll give you your money back. Usually in the in the sixties, you had those shows that that created their legendary fandoms: Batman, Star Trek, and everything. And by the third season or so, which I think both had three, it started getting really, really bad. Budget cuts, horrible plots, terrible acting, even even for campy standards. And then the network pulls the plug on that. But uh, nowadays, something that that's garnered a fandom and good reviews. It's still got the plug plug pulling on it here is uh, Gravity Falls. Some people are, are definitely lamenting that. That's kind of the misconception that's out there is that the plug's being pulled on the show. And it's actually not the case. Creator Alex Hirsch says that it's time to end it. You know, I, I want it to go off with a, a payoff. I have the answer, a real climax so I think it's time to go ahead and end it. Okay, so semantics. The creator is pulling the plug versus the, the network. Right. But, I mean, as soon as the news broke, people were immediately, like, super pissed off with the network. Like, why the fuck would you do this? And then, you know, then the creator has to take to, to Twitter and be like, no, 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 no. This was my call. I, I wanted to do this. The second to last episode already aired. It aired this week, this past Monday. And Disney has not announced an air date for the series finale. So I want to let you kids know that, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's a show that's been running since 2012. Um, but it is coming to an end. But keep in mind, when it ends, this was the creator's decision. They were not forced into this by the network. It wasn't because of ratings or anything. They just want to go out with a very good conclusion. And I kind of wish more properties would do that. Rather than milk it till it's completely fucking dry and, and totally on its last leg. X-Files. <clears throat> Many, many, many others. Um, but yeah, going on that high. So I, I support the fuck out of these guys for doing that. Yeah, I really, I really wonder about shows that any fandom is, is super passionate about. What is the magic number for a show run? Is it 10 years? Is it five years? Is it seven years? It can't be like, you know, like Simpsons or whatever. It's like, that's kind of like, whoa, let's put this dead horse to pasture. I think Simpsons is doing it at this point just because they can. You know, I don't really think the demand is there. And I think if Fox issued a cancellation notice tomorrow, I don't think the fan base would like rally to try to bring it back. Not not like Firefly, not like, you know, um, when Futurama get canceled on Fox. People, I think, would be kind of happy to let that go out to pasture. Well, not the actors, but... <laughs> no, no, right. Moving on. So Universal, their big uh, cinematic universe for their classic monsters, their their big plan continues. In theaters right now, though, is, is a movie called Victor Frankenstein, written by Max Landis, John Landis' son. Uh, he wrote Chronicle and uh, another film that came out a few months ago and kind of tanked, but it was on the indie scene called American Ultra. He's very, very outspoken kind of crazy, frenetic sort of social media pundit and everything out there. And then the reviews are kind of lukewarm, all that. And I saw someone on Facebook going, do we really need more Frankenstein movies or Peter Pan movies? <laughs> are people really, really asking for this? 
I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how interested people are. Again, the box office for the, you know the Dracula little action movie that came out earlier this year not through the roof, and I'm surprised Universal is still wanting uh, to to resurrect, as it were, these these classic creatures for the big screen yet again. Again, it's sad that every studio feels that because of Marvel's success, they have to shoehorn everything into some shared universe. Um, but what they're really hoping on is if they can bring you some titillating, uh, that pun will become apparent shortly, um, some titillating casting uh, news that maybe people will get on board. Now, while nothing's been signed yet, uh, apparently they're very, very aggressively pursuing Angelina Jolie to come and portray Bride of Frankenstein, which I, I think might be cool. Uh, this news was broke by The Hollywood Reporter, and this is what I found was more interesting about that. Um, how bad do they want her in this film? Well, apparently they financed Jolie's current box office bomb by the sea, and they were hoping that, or still hoping, that that's going to buy some goodwill with Jolie. Um, because even if they lose a ton of money on this film, they're pretty sure they'll make it back and then more if she's attached to at least you know one of these tentpole pictures. And where we talked last podcast about where these creatures are going to cross universes and appear in each other's films, they're probably going to be able to lock her down for like a three or four film contract. So yeah, they'll finance shitty films for her just to kind of bait her over like, come on, come, come show up in this thing. And then I wonder if she, if she might eyeball some of these more pop culture iconic roles like Maleficent, now Bride of Frankenstein possibly because of her kids. Maybe her kids are, are egging her on. Say, hey, mom, play this. Play that. You should play a monster. You're like, oh, play this one. Play that one. Like, oh, all right. Things that people of her ilk is more known for just mainstream dramas. She never really does genre stuff. Well, I guess it started a few years back with Beowulf, you know, the CG animated motion capture type movie that she appeared in. I guess you could say virtually. Big shout out to Aaron Jackson on Twitter at BB Broadcast for sending us a link to this story about uh, EA, the big video game company, supposedly paying off celebs to endorse Star Wars Battlefront. Dun, dun, dun. Isn't all that shocking? I mean, we've heard stories like this before, and I'm sure we're going to continue to hear stories like this. But this one comes kind of directly from the source, uh, and that source being Benjamin Burley of Breaking Benjamin. And he posted an image to his Instagram, the pictures of a broken Battlefront disc for Xbox One. And his caption says, They wanted to pay me to post that I like this piece of shit game. They can shove it up their ass. This game sucks. I'd rather watch the god-awful prequels than play this piece of shit one more second than... That's for ruining Star Wars EA. How do you really feel? Wow. Okay. No filters there. Battlefront, apparently, it's actually receiving some low reviews, kind of, you know, fives and sixes out of tens. And I know you you own this, Kyle. I do. It's a beautiful game to look at. I think it's fun to play for a little bit. If you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, yeah, of course. It's fun to get on an, on a, on a bike on, on indoor and fly around in a snow speeder and take down AT-ATs. Of course, it, it's cool. The gameplay gets redundant really fast. And yeah, it, it's not the greatest fir- first person shooter or, or anything by any means. I think that review was a little bit harsh. I don't know if that's more a statement about, hey, you're trying to pay me off to endorse something. I don't know if that's how he really feels about it. That's kind of how he took it. Kind of like, you know, you have the nerve to try to pay me for some positive words about go fuck yourself and your game sucks. Alan S. in our chat says, I refuse to get Star Wars Battlefront because no space battles. 
Well, there are air battles <laughs> over Hoth anyway. And who's to say maybe the DLC, which, yeah, you have to pay $50 for for the season pass. When I know that's ludicrous. You just paid 60 for the fucking game. But yeah, there's no wars in the stars. It's a Star Wars game. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe they'll they'll create more content for that and, and speak to that. It's what I've been saying for years about bad movies. If, if you keep buying them, they're going to keep making them. If you keep accepting it, they're going to think it's policy. But you don't know until it's too late. It's kind of like going to the movies. It's like, yeah, if we go see shitty movies, they've already got our money by the time we've paid to get into the theater. So we could walk out of there and go, man, that was a shitty movie. But they already have our money. Well, I mean, more so, I think, with video games, because you really hit the nail on the head. A lot of people, including myself, are, are really sick of buying the game and then you get it home. And, and just because you have that physical disc doesn't mean you have the game. You know, in some cases, you have half the content in this new uh, Lego Dimensions game that's out, you buy the physical desk, you probably have one-sixteenth of the content because now we're going to hammer you with, you know, download after download after download of all this other content. I want to buy a game once. That's how I grew up, you know, and I don't mean to sound old and crotchety, but back in my day, but it's beyond bait and switch at this point. That's a totally fair assessment. I don't think it's an old man crotchety get off our lawn sort of thing. I think it's legit. I think I think your average 20-year-old gamer or even high school gamer probably gets sick of being inundated with that shit. It's like, hey, I worked hard to save my $60 to buy this game and now I got to shell out another 20 to play this new level. That, that's some bullshit. I mean, I kind of dug developers like Sucker Punch with the, the first couple infamous games. And I think even into First Sons, when they were providing free downloads, you know, free upgrades, free maps, um, player-generated content, you know, uh, I, I don't think you can really discredit that. You've you got Mario Maker, where people are enjoying the fuck out of playing these insanely difficult levels that other people are creating. So I don't think you can disregard uh, player-generated content. But... To keep having all this content shoved down your throat, even some of the PS3 games my kids have, uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes and Lego Batman, they tell me all the time, I, I want the character packs, I want the map packs, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, fuck, why isn't this shit just on the disc? I, in some cases, I understand that some developers are like, hey, we want to add more later on. We want to really keep you playing the game and expand that universe or whatever. But now it's just a ploy to just keep taking your money. In my opinion, it's worse than apps with microtransactions. I can see the one angle going, all right, in order to make a sequel to this game, you're going to be waiting for three or four years. So we may as well milk it and give the first game some replay value, which, which would be fine if it were free. But, I mean, yeah, they're probably looking at the, at the bottom line and the numbers and all that. So we, don't, we can't give away this level. We've paid you know millions of dollars to create the graphics and da-da-da-da. We're just going to give it away? It's like, well, you developed it for this game. Yeah, put it out there. What the fuck? The biggest problem you know, is uh, they're doing this while the game's being developed. They're not afterthoughts. While the game's going through production, it's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, we're going to tack on this and that and that and that. Originally, they were afterthoughts. It was it was legitimate. Like, hey, we could do this. We could offer this. We can have players download this. And it's not about the size on the disc. That all can fit on the disc. Blu-ray technologies come a long way, and I'm sure we're going to compound upon that as we move forward. Yeah, and as people move away from disc uh, storage just to online storage, and just everyone just hooking up uh, an extra, whatchamacallit. There's a game coming out on the Wii, and I apologize, kids, I don't remember uh, what title it was, the Wii U. But what was interesting was it's, it's exclusive to the Wii U, and it's exclusive digital download only. 
Now, the Wii U only comes in two storage sizes, and the one most people have chosen to purchase because it was a cheaper option was the 8-gig version, and this game itself is a 15-gig download. <laughs> You'd have to have an external hard drive just to be able to download this game, and that that's some fuckery right there. That's all the fuckery we have time for on this fine episode of the Big Ball Broadcast, episode 48. Remember to go to smodcast.com and hit the uh, archive podcast link, and you'll you'll see us on that page. All the previous episodes, should you desire. Uh, we tend to try to do a live uh, weekly stream on uh, Wednesday evenings, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Follow our Twitter, at BB Broadcast. We'll post the link to uh, our live audio stream and chat room hosted by the wonderful folks at otakulife.net. Shoutouts to all the boys and girls for coming to our chat room. Our regulars, Robert J., Alan S., Jez Oldfield, Robert J., all the, all the kind boys and girls, Cocaine and Whores, and everyone else. I know when we say Cocaine and Whores, completely out of context, you have no idea what we're talking about. That's a username. That's one of our regulars here. But uh, Steve, thanks to you. Big high fives for uh, digging up all our lovely geeky news. And uh, we'll do it again next week. So, happy holidays, everyone. Until next time, this is Kyle Bear, And this is Otherworld Steve. See ya! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.